0: Hello, Sonoma. Today I'm talking with Sandro Melaranchi, multi-talented producer, musician, mosaicist, painter, artist, and so much more. He ran one of Rome's most famous restaurants, Manuia, for 20 years, and I can't wait to get started. Hello, Sonoma. Welcome back. As I mentioned, my guest today is Sandro Melaranchi. He's a man of many talents, a few of which we'll dive into today. We spoke in his apartment in Rome, just a few hundred meters from where Manuia, his restaurant, once stood. Here's our conversation. Hello, Sonoma. I'm here with... Sandro Milaranchi. And Sandro, you're a man of many talents. You're a micro-mosaicist. You're an author. You're a musician. You're a producer. Uh, you're a restaurateur. You're a man of many talents. And I'm so excited to be here with you today. But I'm not a dancer. <laughs> not yet.
1: <laughs> not yet.
0: So most recently, you wrote a book called Manuia which is about this very famous restaurant you had in Rome for 20 years, from 1971 until 1991. And this book is kind of a collection of stories from your time starting the restaurant through the restaurant, and it really captures the essence of a cultural moment in Rome's history. What was it like for you to dive into your past and write this book?
1: The reason why I never did it before is because I didn't want to following a nostalgic uh, sentiment of somebody getting old blah, blah, blah. But after, I was thinking about uh, what period, good period was it. And then uh, I used uh, the story of uh, the name of Manuya, but just to to talk, uh, to, to describe the good period that we was in Rome, like Cinecittà, which is like Hollywood in the States, was full. uh, Many theater, everything was full, very active, very in a cultural way. And that's why also was uh, something who helped uh, to be famous, the restaurant, because we had this kind of people. Maybe after, I can say that I, was able to bring in my place, but also was a good moment.
0: It, it was kind of like the golden age of, of Roma's, Rome's Hollywood, would you say that? I should say that mostly people
1: do not prefer, like to remember La Dolce Vita after the film of Fellini, Marcello Mastroianni. Of course, that was a, a fantastic period. After the war and Italy was, but also after, just after the Dolce Vita, it was also very, very interesting. Maybe because it was not only selected for a very short group of people, but the Dolce Vita large to everybody. In fact, the Manuja, I had princes, I had. Uh, Fellini, Visconti, Valentino, Missoni, everything uh, of of this kind of people, and uh, also the director of my bank, uh, (laughs) people, very, very simple, normal people. That was maybe one of the elements could be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about in your book how the older guys from the neighborhood would play cards in the afternoon before the restaurant opened. But then also you talk about Chet Baker, the famous trumpet player coming in, Pelé, the famous soccer player coming in. You had even family stories, you know, about your sister Lolly about how she became a makeup artist, which is a great story I don't want to reveal unless you want to tell it. But so during this process, what have been some of the good memories that you've uncovered?
1: Uh, from the beginning, I should say that I was a makeup in a movie business, and I had uh, my first apartment in room in Trastevere, which now is very famous, is very in, is very expensive, full of restaurant. But when I went there to live, was a very very simple uh, neighbor with artigianos, people working iron, wood, uh, and uh, and this was. Uh, characteristic of a Roman. And that, I think, was a very nice and uh, period of, of Rome, authentic Rome. So after, for a long story, but for Jock, I open. A, let's make it quickly. Huh? For Jock, we opened a restaurant. We could never expect that could be so famous. And... Uh, like your answer so there are so many things that I could remember that I don't know if we can make it in one hour
0: maybe you should put it in a book <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why we did it the book
0: <laughs> okay so we we've touched on how the restaurant was a big success so many people went there and it was an important part of Rome but I don't think it was always easy What were some of the challenges that you faced uh, running a restaurant for such a long time i could say there are even today always
1: when we say uh talking about the restaurant also for other business which are the components to make it famous sometimes people this is good service is okay of course good food of course is good for me there are many others (laughs) important i try to put all together, like the familiarity. Of course, it depends what kind of restaurant you want to do. We wanted to do a restaurant where you can spend one hour not only to put food in your stomach, but just to pass one hour, <clears throat> two hours. And that's why we give much importance to the psychological part, like atmosphere, good music, nice people like weather, maybe not professional, but very nice people with the food. Food also, I think I did a good choice because I am Italian, we did Italian food, but I thought, I still think with some more French kitchen, it could be a very complete. (laughs) The, the, the menu, and that was we did it. So we can say it was Italo-French, international, uh, and uh, all this kind of mixing. Tahitian food, you had some fish? Tahitian, some- we have a feijoada, we have uh, paella, couscous. We enjoyed to make many international, but basically was Italian-French. Jean-Jacques, which is in the States, with his bistro, in, uh, and uh, Tony, my brother, which is uh, the number one of gastronomy,
0: like chef, so we did a, a nice, good, good job, yeah. yeah. And the atmosphere is really special, too. So, many people go to restaurants, right, to eat and to enjoy it, but I don't know if many people understand it as a concept as well as you do you know the back end of getting all the food of being a waiter of being in the front of working in the kitchen is there anything that you wish people knew about restaurants when they go in there uh, many people see this
1: restaurant likes a business a very pleasure very nice uh, and probably they, they don't see the complication of the of the business, because they see only the part like client, and they see only when you see it, when the people hello, when you see the back menu, you drink, you eat. Maybe maybe people mm, doesn't realize how difficult it is. That's why many people open it, and after one year, maximum two, they change idea, because it's really complicated. Me. Fortunately, we really were full since the first day, so we had, uh, uh, say, uh, administration money to pay our our inexperience. Because people who sell furniture, uh, not furniture, your your meat uh, and fish and wine, they try to to give prices. Many clients, many people say, I pay tomorrow, I pay tomorrow, I pay next month. We, we really make a lot of mistakes of inexperience. I make just two little examples, but there are many, you know? And, uh, I can say the first year was difficult, we lost a lot of money. Fortunately, money could enter, uh, a lot of money, but uh, we, we paid a lot in experience. And uh, we keep on going on, and I don't hide that I was a makeup man. I make a little course of administration. I make a little course of, uh, I mean, administration for restaurant. Uh, also for some gastronomy, some work, Uh, all the the chemical part of food, not only recipe. I wanted to know my business, no? so I I, I was prepared. But it's not easy, restaurant, I think if somebody could make a statistic it could be one of the 10 more difficult business in the world, I'm sure. One including all of what I'm saying. Public relations, cool food, to buy good food. And, uh, you know, all this is a lot of work.
0: But you did it for 20 years. That's pretty cool. I did it for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, you mentioned it. You're a makeup artist, you're working uh, in Cinecittà, like the Hollywood of Rome, and I think it's another thing that people don't understand too much. Can you tell us about the role of a makeup artist in the movies? Tell us about what they do, both physically but also on the set. Makeup of cinema yeah. is something.
1: Theater also is different, but it's very similar. Uh, the makeup of theater is a little more heavy in a movie it should be more natural because the película because filming theater now people look on far away and they need to be very very heavy that's why are very different so they are something totally different from aesthetic like you like uh, I don't know Chanel, uh, all, all places where people they go just make it beautiful, okay? Because we have this part like to make a very nice girl even more beautiful, or men also. This is a part aesthetical beauty. Let's call it beauty part. Of course, is nice. But after, you should learn. I had a good good professor, Alberto De Rossi which was one of the top that uh, Lolly, my sister, she was my teacher, and we did a lot of film. Also, uh, the school was in- absolutely important. And I could learn the part of I like more, I used to like more, which is making the people getting old, mm-hmm. like uh, scarves, blood, uh, and uh, we call it special effects uh, makeup. And that's why it, it makeup is it's a lot of work, it's not only making nice people, nice, aesthetically beautiful actor. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, thanks for illuminating that, that profession that we don't, we don't think about too much. Now I wanna take a total turn into a new territory, which is that you have a long and deep relationship with Brazil Starting with the time that you went there, when you were 16 or 17 years old, and stayed for about six months. Can you just tell us about your relationship to that beautiful country, its people, and its music?
1: When I was very young, I didn't want to study on university. I wanted to stop and have my own life my own business. The first step was in Brazil. It was beautiful, was absolutely exciting and contaminated from, especially from music. There are a lot to say, but Brazil, the first trip was uh, absolutely. And I'm uh, a little musician. I used to play guitar. At uh, the epoca, I used to play Peter and Elton John, that was my specialty. But Brazil, that has a sound fantastic, uh, Bossa Nova, it captured me. Also, I love jazz. And then what happened? Years and years after, when I opened the restaurant, at the beginning was only one room, it was only dinner room. And a couple of years after, we had somebody who give us a, a, a local, another another uh, piece of. Uh, how you say, space, and instead to make a restaurant larger, we needed uh, communication, but we did a bar, and this bar we used to make exactly what I like, Brazilian jazz music, and we had a uh, really nice, and that was, like, I can say, the second success, because, uh, because uh, it used to be very full. <laughs> for many, many years.
0: And you were one of the first people to bring Brazilian musicians, some of them the first time out of Brazil to Europe, like Javan, yeah, and many more. Why did you think it was important to bring Brazilian music to Italy?
1: And the reason is this. After a few years I used to make, especially Brazilian music, I could say that I was a specialized like producer, like director artistic of of Brazilian music, and then we start to do concert all over, organizing, and uh, and I did good good things. I had many many reportage, many many documents improving what I'm say. And at the point in uh, Rome, we had a very special, like minister assessoral cultura of a culture, that he was doing something absolutely, he did something interesting. He used to organize, he used to give money to organize in Rome, in a big square, in also in the Colosseo, etc. Uh, everything of about uh, spectacular. So we had a movie, we have a theater, we have a dancing, we have a cinema, and music, music used to organize, used to give the chance to, to produce jazz, rock, blues, and they called me to make Brazil. So I had the opportunity, I still thanks God for this, to have the, the budget to make in very large places, in the opportunity to call the biggest uh, people. Of uh, Brazilian uh, singer famous George Gilberto, uh, one of the inventor of uh, bossa nova, Gal Costa, Gilberto Gil, Tania Maria, very very famous George Ben, the Pais Tropical, Alcione, and this was uh, absolutely absolutely. Uh, important and beautiful because it makes Sandro more important like producer, not only in a little club but also in a a largest uh, view of uh, programs. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I think one great example of your level of producership and relationships is in the book you tell the story about joking with chet baker that you were going to send him to brazil and eventually an opportunity came where you were able to make these connections to to bring the famous chet Baker to brazil and countless other stories of of brazilian musicians who came for the first time to europe and all kinds of different connections but you have not only created spaces for artists to create with your concerts, with your uh, spectaculo, as you call them, the spectacles and shows, but also behind the boards as a producer making records and at the instrument as a musician. You even recently released a new album of your old songs, which is called Setanto Tanto Tanta by Sandra Malaranchi. What was that experience like of revisiting those old songs in a new album?
1: Many, many years ago, I used to play guitar. I used to play a little piano, and I used to also compose some music and I keep it all this, this music just in uh, in uh, hide it <laughs> because uh, as a producer i didn 't want more uh, being the pardoned artist. I prefer more the other the other side but recently about Bunguka about for several reasons. Uh, we decide to take my music, go in a little studio, not to make a per- perfect sound, but to make it uh, to make a nice five music mine, and um, the, the 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 engineer, the people, the work of this, they say, let's make a little record on, on digital. I wish is, uh, Sandra Miller and is uh, now is all over the platform Spotify. But honestly, I don't, I don't like too much to propose to me like uh, artists. I prefer more the, to continue to be the part of, uh, to vest the part of a producer, a director. Why is that? I don't know, maybe we can shine, or, or maybe for... I don't know, really, I don't know. I do what I feel. I, I like to to take an artist to make it grow. I don't like to make it grow, me as an artist. You understand the difference? But I, I don't know I explain. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I think there is, a, there are different, totally different kind of shyness exist probably is one of of them
0: yeah because i don't think of you as a shy guy you're always the guy who can talk to whoever it is on the street or anything but that's funny that you prefer to
1: many people are aggressive many people even singer or actor honestly if you if you know them they are shining, and that's why I say there are uh, many phases of shining. It doesn't mean that it can go in the microphone in the video, but sometimes people are shining and and in, in a different way. It's. A, the different aspect of being shy, I think. But this maybe because I don't know, or maybe I don't know. But this going back to chat I can say it. Sure. I met chat many, many years. That's the first year of Manuya. And uh, of course, I cannot make it long, but we became friends. And he always been all over the world. Everybody knows him, in the United States, London, in Austria, French, Europe. But he always jumped to Rome. And each time he came to Rome, he came to see me. And I can remember like he, yesterday, when he, after two or three months that he was not coming, he arrived to say hello to me one night. And we had open bar with jazz music, and he said to me, "Sandro, now Manuja is complete." I cannot forget that.
0: Wow, that's really special to hear that from that's your very friend.
1: Special. And about uh, my friendliness, he knew I was a producer for music, Brazilian music, and for jock for joke, he used to provoke me and saying, one day you will send me to Brazil. Of course, I say, for joke, one day I will send you to Brazil, without knowing that few years after happened. And happened because when I brought Dijavan, which is a very famous Brazilian singer, musician, uh, Monique Gardenberg, her uh, was his uh, manager came in Rome with him, and then she used to organize big, big festival of jazz with Al Jarreau, uh, with many people very, very famous, all over, international. And then she was in Rome telling me that she was doing this festival. And I say, Monique, do you want be? Do you need the back Becker? What do you think is interesting? She asked me, "Why you are a, his a manager?" Ma- manager, I say, "No, no, no, it's just a friend." That hey, I told him about. I told her about the joke, and she say, uh, "She say, let, let me find out." She went to Brazil, and she, few days after, she say, "Absolutely, I want Chet Becker now." So was difficult to find it, but I did it. It was not fine, f- easy, but I found him to, to go to Brazil. And it makes the only two big shows he did in Rio, Rio and Sao Paulo, uh, because of me again.
0: Wow, that's so cool. I think that story highlights how you're able to shine a light on musicians and bring musicians to where they can see, have light shown on them. And, uh, you know, you have a very artistic, a unique artistic eye, whether it's your micro mosaics or your paintings, which have been sold all over the world. But I think your light music project best captures your artistic spirit. Can you tell us more about your light music project?
1: My lamps? Okay. We uh, we lived eight years in Paris, and I was invented (laughs) something to do. My wife, she's diplomat and so I used to uh, be with her. And uh, uh, I cannot stand without, uh, I must do something always. So uh, one day I was in, uh, this is the real moment that I invented, invented I decided to make. I picked a violin in my hand. I had the violin Say, it's so beautiful not only the music, the sound, everything you can do, but even aesthetically, it's beautiful. It's also uh, like a body of a woman, I think (laughs) has something. And then I say, it's it's nice to to propose, to show him not only for play, but you cannot put the violin on the wall. So I say, why not a lamp? And then I, I, and that was the first. I take a, a little, a little iron, a little pergamon with a note musical. I, I did a little did paralume, oh, oh, I don't know you say. Lampshade. Lampshade, and then, uh, and then I did it. I met uh, casually, in, casually. Somebody has in a gallery that is, he loved my, 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 after I did the trumpet, I'd have, I soon did other things. And then he, he, he proposed me. Most, more than proposing, he provoked me. Because he said, Sandra, i give you two months to make 20 of lamps different. And we make, of course, different. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, and we make, uh, we buy champagne, and we make, uh, when it says we make, and uh, exposition wow. so we did it in uh, in uh, in paris and uh, we sell all it was a very success and uh, and uh, i'm happy not not only for the money but because people like it a lot and i used to do something uh, international because i made a sitar lamp i made uh, uh, Bala Laika, it's a Russian, and uh, everything, mm, any kind, of course, trumpet, saxophone, and uh, Austria. Like, but I did uh, a nice, a nice, mostly around my site.
0: So, this story, I think, highlights another thing that we've talked about over the past few days, which is coincidences. You, It was an amazing story. Sp- stroke of luck that you were able to buy the restaurant Manuya. it was like a miracle coincidence you know this guy offering you the gallery showing for your light music was an amazing coincidence how you got into makeup how you went to london how you went to brazil all these things they're coincidences don't you think tell us about how these coincidences shaped your life in fact i i many
1: many times in uh, my long life happen as they call in coincidence probably another person could be uh, could could use another expression could say luck i don't know i think also that luck important but you should go to knock at the door for the luck she doesn't know, no. So uh, in coincidence. I was, I was. Uh, maybe I did provoke them, okay. Uh, otherwise, I don't know other other expression. For sure, many things happen very, very casually, and uh, like Manuja. Uh, Manuja of course is a long story but to make it shorter we, we, I was very happy I was working very well on many sizes fashions not only economical like a makeup but uh, me and Tony we say let's for joke let's say over a restaurant but this was joking so during those days somebody a very old people man who lives in Trust asked me if i want to buy his uh, old trattoria it <laughs> happened and we did this
0: that's so crazy you're talking to your brother about opening a restaurant and then in the next week a man says hey sandro i want to sell you my restaurant
1: those are tip you uh, say very very nice casuality Uh, Maybe it could happen one year after or before, but this happened during the moment we were joking, joking, talking about, because I tell you also why, in that period we used to have a very nice play in in our house, a lot of people, mostly, mostly of theater, of uh, actors uh, directors etc of uh, movie business uh, some after became very famous somebody you know but anyway so that's why we like to have our house full of these people but also is uh, you know you must buy wine you must take care of this that's why maybe Joking, we say, let's open a restaurant, at least we make some money. <laughs> you understand? So it was a really joke that the joke, somebody something. up there is listening uh, and he also is saying, boys, <laughs> there is something <laughs> for you.
0: <laughs> I love that story so much. Um, so finally, people can probably tell from your accent that you're a real Italian and maybe they can even tell that you're a real Romano. You're here from Rome, from Italy. And what do you think people what do you think people get right about the city and the people of Rome and what do you wish they knew in other words many people think they know what Rome and Italy are like what are they right about and what are some things that they don't know
1: hmm, that's a little complicated as italians all over the world we have a fama we have a, yeah, no we're famous so uh, of course, is big part is true. We like eat. Uh, we like don't like to work too much. But I won't. I won't say something that maybe. I don't know if you agree. I think Italy is in a position, uh, geographic, that uh, could be a part of responsibility to make some genius. Uh, I don't think it's casual. Michelangelo, Da Vinci, uh, Raffaello, uh, all all these big, big, uh, big uh, men of uh, of, uh, of, uh, sculptures and painting, you know. I don't think i think that many people get famous at antique uh, before or after modern like ferrari like uh, valentino gucci bulgari it's not a casual it was in italy because probably in italy there is some uh, some let's call it easily energy, or or but this I think uh, has something to do the positions of the world Italy, also in a food is not only like gene and genus, so like like uh, intellectual way, but also uh, like story, no, and also like food in, in which sense. In sense of that we have, from north to south, we have 10,000 of kind of vegetables. We have, uh, we have a, a lot of different, ex, uh, extremely good quality of things. Uh, then after we can make it working, and make it uh, produce uh, something simple like a Parmigiano. We make a San Daniele Prosciutto. We make a so, but basically we have the ingredients that this Italia, this ground, give us to work. And then we did it with our hands, la bellissima carbonara, amatriciana, etc., etc.
0: Well, I think there was something in the soil to create someone like you, Sandro. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: I thank you, and I'm going to go to Sonoma to try your wine. Everybody says good,
0: but I must taste. (laughs) (laughs) You must. And for everybody who wants a taste of what Sandro is up to, you can go to sandromelaranchi.com. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much, Sandro, for chatting with me. One of the most amazing parts of this conversation is that since I was little, I've considered Sandro like my uncle, someone I grew up with, someone I thought I knew well. But by asking these questions and by reading his book, I learned so much more about my kind, jovial Italian uncle. As you know on Hello Sonoma, the idea is that everyone has a story and that every story is interesting if you ask the right questions. What better way than this conversation to remember that even those around us may have such great things to tell us if we just took the time to ask them. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and maybe even were inspired by some of the twists and turns of Sandro's life and the coincidences that took him there. All the music you've heard in this episode is by Sandro from his album 1970-80. You can check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, and everything. You can learn more about Sandro, his book, and his music by visiting his website, sandromelaranchi.com. S-A-N-D-R-O-Melaranchi, M-E-L-A-R-A-N-C-I. com, or just check the show notes. In the meantime, though we've reached the end of this episode, remember, it's not goodbye, it's Hello Sonoma.